Episode 50 of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Insulate, makers of the Omnipod, the world's only tubeless insulin pump. Okay, episode 50 of the Juice Box Podcast is with a college student named Elias. Now, Elias was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes the month before his senior year of high school. And this guy is, he's really spectacular. You're going to hear about how he found community, how his high school found helped him find community, how once he got to college, he learned about the College Diabetes Network and how that's helped him, how his mother trusting him is such a huge part of how he's helping himself. I mean, honestly, the kid's going to diabetes camps, he's been a counselor, he, he does service in other countries. We all hope to raise a child like Elias. Elias, I know I'm embarrassing you up front, and I apologize for that. But seriously, listen with a close ear here because this is a good person and and a lot of great information. Elias, we are recording and your voice is definitely being captured. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, I don't speak to many people who have voices as deep as mine. You're throwing me off a little. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so Elias, you reach out, which by the way... Let's say this is great. You know, every few episodes, I'll say, if somebody's interested in being on the podcast, you should contact me. And Elias sent me an email and said, I'd like to be on the podcast, and here's why. And uh, I thought I thought his reasons were fantastic, and, and here he is. Yeah, definitely awesome being here. I mean, I've been a big fan of your podcast. Cool on it. That's insane that you just said that, but thank you very much. Uh, I, I will tell you a secret that not many people know. How's that? And I can Sounds tell great. you because this is going to be recorded and played in like a month, so it won't matter. In a few hours, I'm interviewing Victor Garber, um, the actor from like Titanic and the new Flash TV show and Alias and like a million other things that, trust me, that somebody older than you has definitely heard of. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, but he's uh, a gentleman in his 60s who's had type 1 since I think he was like 12 or 13. So uh, he is my first like super famous person to interview, and uh, I am surprisingly calm still. So uh, I appreciate you doing this with me, helping me uh, keep my mind off of other things. Yeah, I'll give you. Hopefully, it'll be a good warm up for you. Get my voice going. Um, so, Elias, let's find out a little bit about you, and I'll tell what I know, and then you'll fill in the holes. So you are 18 years old, uh, a mm -hmm. freshman in college, and you were diagnosed with type one diabetes just a year ago, the summer after your senior year of high school. I was diagnosed exactly a month after my 17th birthday, the summer going into my senior year of high school. The senior going in, the summer going into your senior year. Yep, exactly. So, okay, so that's 2000. Wow, here oh. we go already with the math, Elias. Uh, 2014. <laughs> thank you very much. So you're going to come up this summer will be two years for you. Yep. Okay. And you described when we were we were emailing that, you know, there was a, a bit of an adjustment at the beginning. Um, I think I would like you to start off by telling me about you know, how the diagnosis hit you. And I'm interested to know how involved your family was with, with care, or if they were just like, wow, you're 18. So here, or, um, you know, tell me your story about, about that time in your life. Yeah. So it was during the summer and I was counseling at a golf camp, um, for children, day camp during the week and started off just like so many other people. I'd be drinking a lot, going to the bathroom a lot. Um, I'd be waking up three times in the middle of the night, going to the bathroom and drinking. And when I, I'd go to my fridge and get a drink, and I'd be chugging Powerade, which probably did not help at all. <laughs> but um, so it just after a week or so of going to the bathroom constantly, I talked to my mom. I was like, "Mom, 
look, something's not right with me. I got to go to the doctors. Um, and she's like, either a UTI or you have diabetes. And so she called the doctor. Uh, we went in, urine test. And what do you know? It's type 1 diabetes. Um, I had no idea what to expect. No one, no one in my family's had type one before, so I really had no idea um, what was going on. It was a pretty confusing time, um, huge adjustment period after. Literally, my entire world changed within one day. Um, but it's interesting. I didn't attribute it at the time, but um, working at this golf camp, I noticed. Looking back on it now, I've noticed that my shots, my golf shots, always ending up short of the green. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized it was because I was weaker because of the diagnosis, which is just interesting looking back on it now. So now with some insulin, you hit the ball farther. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so it's definitely big adjustment period. Um, living 17 years, eating whatever I want, doing whatever I want. Um, and then all of a sudden having to count carbs, give insulin, all that fun stuff. Big change. Um, and by no means did my parents put it aside, put it all on me. Um, I was texting my, I mean, the first week I'd be texting my mom, my blood sugars. Um, but I, I definitely had the personality of an, I was pretty independent, taking, mostly taking care of myself. So after the first stages where I got it down, I became more dependent, um, independent, and I started to figure things out. And it got easier, but it was still tough trying to, make the adjustment especially in school i found i was i would give my insulin shots to the nurse and a lot of people didn't even realize i had diabetes till a couple of months into school because i was it was just weird for me i was trying to hide it i it was uncomfortable for me yeah well and that's completely understandable but you're you're an interesting animal because and i'm only getting to know you just right now obviously and some stuff i've read about you know in your email but you you, you come across as, as rather mature for your age and you know and and you sound like a smart kid and and i i'm thinking of my son who's six you know going to be 16 in february and i'm trying to imagine telling him that his life is going to change dramatically like even not health wise just telling him like everything you think of life as being well now it's also this and this is going to probably you know you know, send you to school feeling uncomfortable and you're not going to want to show people who you are anymore. Like all this crazy stuff that's about to happen to you. But even though you describe struggling, um, you know, you're only like, you're two years into it and you don't seem like you're struggling as much anymore. So, so in the beginning you tried to hide it. How long did you, how long did you play at that before you were like, gave up and like, this is too much work. I think it was once I, started to connect with other diabetics mm-hmm. it made me feel better about it and it made me realize that i'm not alone there's other people going through the same thing that i am and they can help me through that um and one of the things that happened our guidance counselor set up a he hesitated to call it a support group but really a diabetes discussion group and it was about five uh diabetics in my in my high school all different ages um and we really got together and started to talk and most of these diabetics, um, diabetic all their life, mostly, um, and me just coming in, still learning it, was definitely really cool seeing the other kids going to school with me that have been dealing with this for their whole life, and it definitely made things a lot easier. Then you could see them in a different phase of what of of the disease and, and imagine yourself there at that point. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that, that was kind of the bridge 
become more involved with the diabetic community, um, get more involved with other diabetics, which I've been trying to do as much as possible um, since then. And so you have this experience at high school and and it's obviously very beneficial for you. So you've got you've got that kind of tucked away in your back pocket. Um, and you get through your, your senior year. Uh, had you committed to a college by by the time you were diagnosed, or was that something that was happening at the same time? Um, I was looking at colleges, but I had no idea. I didn't have a top choice or anything, so I was still I was still much involved in the whole college process. It's funny. I just realized that I said committed. My son plays baseball, so I said committed to a college because I think of it like I think of it through like sports instead of just you know did you did you get accepted somewhere and go to college? <laughs> right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Um, and so uh, okay, so. So let's talk for a minute about your parents. You said your parents didn't dump it all on you, but would they, would you consider now two years into it? Do you think, you know, whichever one of your parents, I don't know if they equally kind of dove into diabetes or if one, you know, got a little more involved than the other, but if you went home right now and didn't feel well, like, would you be comfortable falling asleep for a week and letting your mom take care of you? Do you, does she have that kind of in-depth knowledge of it or is it, more functional like is it is it less deep and more just kind of functional oh no she absolutely um my, mo- my mom more active around more of the house um but she definitely knows how everything goes she still comes even though i'm 18 now she still comes with me to my endo appointments and she she loves learning about it she loves seeing where my blood sugars are and she she understands it completely so i'd be perfectly comfortable with her well, that's cool yeah i'm just trying to like gauge like how much of it she she understands, or if it was in such a weird handoff place that that she didn't even have the opportunity to understand it, you know. But it does. It sounds like she's she's all in with it. So because you know Arden was diagnosed when she was two, so you know I didn't. There's no opportunity there for me to to not right. be you know the person with my wife and I just you know as focused on it as possible. Okay, so you go away to college, and. You're in state, right? So you're, I don't know, are you far from home or? I'm not. I live in New Hampshire and I go to Providence College in Rhode Island. Okay. I'm, I'm about two hours away. All right, all right, so you're not in state. Okay. And so in a couple hours away, so you're far enough away um, that your parents can jump in a car and come to you if they want to, but it's not, not too close. Um, you get to school, you meet your roommate, and is this, at what point do you say to him, hey, I have diabetes? So I'm actually in a triple. I have two roommates. Okay. Um, and I think it was the first day I, I was like, "Hey guys, look, I'm a type one diabetic." Um, I kind of gave them the basics of it. I told them I have a uh, thing of glucagon on top of my desk. I showed them that. I, I told them, you know, like there's a possibility of me getting a little blood sugar um, that'll pass out. It's never happened, but I just want you guys to be aware of that. Um, and it's funny. I I don't know if I scared them or not, but Whenever I take a really abnormally long nap, one of my roommates will wake me up and just make sure I didn't pass out from a low blood sugar. Hey, Elias, what's up? I'm <laughs> sleeping. Oh, okay. Say bye. Well, you know, I'm imagining I'm imagining these three strangers coming into this room for the first time together, and uh, two of them are really excited to go meet girls, and one of them's like, "Hey, if I should pass out, can I show you how to mix this glucagon <laughs> really quick?" And they're like, "Whoa, wait, wait, what's going on? This isn't the first day." Um, so you met two good guys, obviously. Yeah, and they're. They're really excited to they they like learning about it too, which makes me feel well that they care about me, and which is, means a lot, and it definitely helps a lot too. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be it, so. In how long have you been with these two guys? Because like, I, I think I have more questions. Um. So 
about a semester. The semester is just about uh, getting done right now. Okay. So you're with them that long. Will you be with them again in the next semester? Yep. For the yep. whole year. Okay. Have you seen like a real like human impact on them? Has the diabetes had an impact on them? Like I always talk about, you know, in my private life, I say if somebody came and lived in this house for a week, they'd leave and have a have such an understanding, one that they never thought they would get. One you couldn't explain to them in a year. They could, you know, they just from being around it for a few days would, would have this deep understanding. Are you seeing that happen to these guys? I think it's it's hard to understand. It's hard to, I guess, conceive. Um, not really sure. I mean, they definitely know, like, I'll go to sleep, wake up in the middle of the night from below, and they'll see me um, testing and getting some juice, uh, and they'll make sure I'm okay. The effect, I'm not really sure to be honest. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I bet you maybe it hasn't been a long enough time yet for them to really absorb it. But I would bet by the time the year is up and you guys are, you know, packing up that little concrete box of yours and getting out of there, um, I would bet that some, unless you have a nicer dorm room than the way I remember them, but um, <laughs> <laughs> cinder block walls, is that what you fit um, Doing better than that, are you, Elias? Better than cinder block, Look better than you. cinder block. Good but, for you. Yeah. <laughs> what are you studying at school? So I am a public service major, and I will be double majoring in Spanish next year. Okay, and it sounds like you have a plan with that with those majors, do you? I have a couple options. Um, I'm thinking about getting my master's in education um, after my four years here. It's um, also an option of... So I've been on a couple service trips to Nicaragua, and I um, an option is working with the group I went with, Bridge to Community, working down there with them. Um, right. And it's also a pretty interesting story regarding diabetes and these trips, because I went on the first one um, when I was 16. I wasn't a diabetic yet, um, and I absolutely loved it. I wanted to go back the next year. Um, it's a blast. And... So I was planning on going back, and then in the summer, I, I get diagnosed with diabetes, and all of a sudden, insulin shots, low blood sugars, and I'm like, oh my god, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go back to this trip. Horrible. I think that's what played into my early stages of kind of denial of diabetes, because mm-hmm. I thought it was going to have this big impact on my life. It was going to take something from you. Exactly. Right. And it turned out it hasn't taken anything from me, because I went on that trip, um, following year and i was i'm on insulin shots still and it actually turned out for breakfast and lunch i didn't even take any insulin because we'd go to the work site and we doing such manual labor i'd work it all off and i checked my blood sugar before dinner and it, it was in range every time it's uh, and the heat is i've been i've only been i've been to the dominican once i spoke at a function in the dominican a couple of summers ago and that is heat that I don't know if, how similar Nicaragua is, but it, that is heat like I did. I had never experienced before, and uh, it, it really I can see how it would have an effect on your blood sugar. That's that's for certain. So okay, so w- I think we've established that you're probably you know the best kid any of us could hope for, and, <laughs> um, and and you're a good guy, and you're trying to you're trying to make a difference in the world. Were you folk? And, and it sounds like you were even focused on this prior to your diagnosis. So I'm not even inclined to ask you if you know getting type one diabetes led you towards public service or not. Um, but tell me a little bit about getting to school and, and, and finding 
another group because you had a group in high school that, that helped you, but then you found another group at college. And, and I feel like when you, when you contact me, like, this is really what you want to say. Like, you want to make sure people know about this. So, so kind of tell me how you found them and, and what, what, what it is and, and how it's helped you. Right. So I'm a part of the College Diabetes Network. It's a nationwide group, um, a club. It's really a club and it connects all the diabetics on campus. So how I found out about it prior to getting on campus, um, my doctor told me about it, gave me a gave me a brochure. I went on the website and it comes up with a map of the United States. You can click on a state and it shows you all the schools that have a college diabetes network chapter in it. Okay. And it was just by chance that my top choice at the time, Providence College, was the only school that I was applying to that had this college diabetes network chapter in it. So that just worked out perfectly. Yeah. Um, and then I get on campus. There's a huge club fair of all the clubs. And I see the College Diabetes Network table. And I go up and start talking to the girl. Um, and really, I was, I was just really excited to get involved, um, meet new diabetics on college campuses. And um, it was really this, this high school to college is such a big transformation for anybody. Mm-hmm. But as a diabetic, it makes it even greater taking care of yourself, and really, it's all on you. Um, and this club just really helps that. Like, I know if I need any extra supplies, I can. I have the numbers of other diabetics I can text, and it's just really a support system, and it's just awesome being a part of. And I really think any uh, parent and any diabetic in high school it's really a must have for um, the college experience. It's interesting. Instead of trying to meet a friend where you can like steal their Netflix password, you're like, you're thinking, you're thinking like, Hey, I said they might have test strips if I need them. That's great. Okay. So, and so I got to figure out how I want to ask you this, I guess. So you're, I I think that the, I think that for most people listening to this, their interest is going to be, my kid is three, four, five, six, ten, eleven, twelve years old. They have type one diabetes. One of the hugest fears of my life before my kids had diabetes was that one day I was going to send them off to college and not see them anymore. Now they are are, are thinking about this in a completely different way. You've been there for a semester, and how's it going as far as the diabetes goes for you? That's my first. So I've I've been doing pretty well. Um, right now I'm, I'm just on shots, yeah, or pump. Um, Are you thinking about a pump? You said it like that twice now. Are you thinking of getting a pump? So we had an unfortunate situation with an insurance company, as many of us do, Elias. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so early on, I pretty dead set on getting a pump, um, and I wanted an Omnipod because I figured tubeless is the way to go. Right. Um, so we submitted a request for a pump through my insurance, um, eagerly waiting on that. And I remember my mom calls them uh, to see like where the status is at. And they, they tell her that the pump was approved. And um, she d- I remember her telling me this, that she double checks with them to make sure it's right, because it's a huge step. And they confirmed it. And I remember getting the text in... I was sitting in class and mom sent me a text in all capital letters saying your pump got approved. And I was I, honestly, I was close to tears because it was just amazing. Yeah, sure. I, and, I, um, I completely understand. So fast forward about a week and I guess 
a mistake was made or something and the pump wasn't approved. Um, so that just fell through. Long story short, your mom should have said no take backs at the end of the conversation. <laughs> I, I believe that would have straightened everything out. But, uh, and so are you fighting with them now about it? I kind of, I let it go. I just decided thoughts. I can deal with shots. It's not that bad. Um, and honestly, I'm kind of glad I'm on shots. Um, okay. But as far as the CGM goes, I definitely, I've heard such great things, both from your podcast and from other diabetics I know right. um, on a CGM. I remember you said uh, you'll put art into bed at 80 comfortably. And the first time I heard that, I was like, oh my God. Because about a month ago, I checked my blood sugar before I went to bed. It was 165. And I wake up at three in the morning and it's 62. So hearing that, I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. But I definitely think CGM is probably a route I'll go soon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I end up doing this a lot to make my point, but apparently I record the podcast a lot around Arden's lunch at school. Um, But Arden left for school this morning and her blood sugar was a little um, uh, finicky, we'll say, or stubborn around 140. And I had her do a little bolus and I could see it drifting down. I didn't want to be any more heavy handed with it. So until it didn't hit where I wanted it to be until around 915, maybe. And then it was right around 110. And it stayed there right till about 11 o'clock. And it dipped down at 11 o'clock to 80. And at, eight, at 80 was about an... I guess it was more like 11.15 because I remember feeling like it was about an hour before she was going to get her bolus for lunch. And I had her take just one like glucose tablet. And uh, an hour later, like five minutes before you and I started talking, she texted me. She's like, hey, it's lunchtime. She was 1.14 diagonal up. And I did a whole crazy combination of bolusing. I, I, I bolused a half a unit straight in. And then uh, and I only did that because I have her pump set to limit her bolus is to six units, but I needed six and a half units for lunch. So I had her do a half a unit, and then we went back and did an extended bolus of the six units. So we did six more units, gave her 60% at the time, at, at 12.25 of that, and then told the other 40% to go in slowly over the next hour. So now it is 25, 27 minutes later, her blood sugar is stable at 87, and she's eating. And that's the kind of stuff you can accomplish by being able to see your blood sugar. You, you know, so I would tell you that I think the Omnipod is great. Obviously, I let them advertise on this podcast, and I do that because I think so well of them. But at the same time, if you're going to get one thing, get the get a CGM first, and then find your way back to an insulin pump, if that's still what you want to do. Because the CGM, I think what, I think what you'll probably see when you get the CGM is, Wow, look how much control I have. I bet you if I could have, if I could bolus a little more or, or do extended boluses and things like that, I bet you I would, I would even, you know, kind of be more in control. And that might lead you to wanting a pump, be perfectly honest. So, um, and you know what, too, these companies and your, and your endo, your endo should be willing to like get on the phone and fight with your insurance company for you. And a lot of times I would bet you if you called Omnipod, they would, would, um, you know, kind of bang the drum for you with your insurance company too and try to help you. But, you know, it sounds like you're doing fine on your own, honestly. Yeah, I know my, my endo wrote um, several letters to my um, to the insurance company, but I'm, I'm over that. You know, it's yeah. in the past. Um, 
I think one of the things I'm most apprehensive about is just having something attached to me. Um, because even I just even getting like a mark of pen on my hand, I can't deal with it. It annoys me. <laughs> having something attached to me would definitely take some getting used to. But oh, I think for certain. I mean, I've I've never worn them long term, you know. But I would imagine it's a it's a big adjustment getting used to anything different. I started wearing a watch last year, and it took me a while to get accustomed to that. I hadn't worn a watch my whole life, and so. I mean, obviously, that's that, that's only a, a tiny part of that. And at the same time, I would say that what I'm what it sounds like is happening to you is really interesting because I've seen this happen with other people. Is that at some point you were like, "I'm getting an insulin pump," and you were ready for that, and then it didn't work out. And now, the longer you go with the shots, you're becoming very accustomed to what you're doing. So it's almost probably as much about not wanting to change because of a comfort zone that you have which is completely understandable i i think you're exactly right i have a system down and it's working for me and it's just it's tough going to something else and trying to get past that whole another learning curve yeah 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 and maybe and i'd be interested to to hear back from you in the summertime like i wonder if in the summer when you had less to do if it if you started thinking about it again if it's you know not unlike you know not trying to start a diet on a wednesday maybe like you, you know, like like you just like i have to wait till i have more time to focus on this thing and uh i don't know that that's a, that's interesting to hear about so okay so i asked you how you're doing with the diabetes at school you you feel like you're doing well second half of the question is how is your mom doing there's the music and you know what that means it's time for an ad okay so the other day i'm on instagram and i see i'm tagged in a post and when i get there I, i'm just going to use a first name I see that Erin is wearing a free demo pod from Omnipod, and she's thanking the Juicebox podcast. Says, I didn't even know you could do something like this. Big, great smile on her face, and I, I hope the Omnipod works out great for you, Erin. Thanks for the shout-out for the podcast. You know, for those of you who kind of don't know what I'm talking about, Omnipod offers a free uh, non-functioning demo pod that they'll send to you, and then you can put on and just see how you like it. It's like a test run. Uh, there's absolutely no obligation when you sign up. You can go to myomnipod.com forward slash demo or better yet, click the links in the show notes. And, uh, you know, there's a little bit of information, your name, your address, and pretty much nothing else. A demo pod shows up at your house and you can try it out and see if you like tubeless insulin pumping. If you're new to insulin pumps, you'll get to see what it's like. And if you're already wearing a pump that has a tube on it, you'll get to see what the freedom of tubeless means. You know, the idea that there's nothing now clipped to you, a, a big controller or something like that, and just this sort of little pod that holds the insulin and everything you need right inside of it. I uh, I think it's really cool. I think it's amazing that Aaron tried it and shouted out the podcast. I want to give everybody um, a big thank you because you guys are clicking through the link, which totally puts a smile on my face because I imagine hundreds of Aaron's running around with their demo pods on. I, you know, I, I just thanks again for supporting the podcast and and uh, and trying out tubeless insulin pumping with Omnipod. It's it's uh, it's pretty spectacular. Myomnipod.com forward slash demo with the links in the show notes. All right. Now let's find out what Elias's mom. Well, if she's having a nervous breakdown while he's at college or if she's handling it. OK, here it comes. Uh, she I think. A big part is she trusts me to take care of myself, um, which is big for me. And I think she worries about me more than she lets on. Mm-hmm. Um, but she knows I can take care of myself. Um, and she definitely trusts me. And But I know she's always there for me if I need anything, which it's just great. 
Do you do any um, sports at school? Yeah, so I'm on the uh, club ultimate frisbee team. Okay, so you're you're doing a lot of anaerobics then, like a lot of running and and exerting yourself. How, what? How do you see? How do you see the the frisbee affect your um your blood sugar? Does it does it? Do you get a bump up from the adrenaline? Excuse me, from the adrenaline, or do you and get lower later? Do you have you found a way to keep it kind of steady the whole way? Or so, know? I'm still in the trial and error part. Mm-hmm. Um, the night I told you about, where I went from 165 to 62, that was the night where I had frisbee. Um, and a lot, I've been woken up a lot from low blood sugars, mostly from the frisbee and all the exercise. So I'm still trying to figure that part out. Um, but I think that's where CGM would come in handy because I test my blood sugar before bed and it's fine. Um, yeah, and I think it would come in handy not just to show you you're getting low, but to help you figure out the pattern so that you could stop yourself from getting low. And, and that's where, like, as you describe this one issue, like that, that's where I see it being handy the most. Not not so much from stopping you, from, not from, so much from telling you, hey, you're low, is to show you that, like, you know, you know, whatever it ends up being. Like every day I play frisbee. Then at 9.30 at night, my blood sugar seems to drop 50 points. Because, it, because that's the hardest thing to do, especially when you're not looking at your blood sugar constantly and you're testing. Let's say you're randomly picking a number. And let's, I'm pretty sure you're not going to bed at 10 o'clock. But let's say you're going to bed at 10 o'clock. By the way, as a person who's getting ready to send his son to college, I so hope you're going to bed at 10 o'clock. But <laughs> um, So I assume you're not going to bed at 10 o'clock. But let's say you are, and you happen to test before you go to bed and you're 160. It would be too much of a leap for you to say, well, I should probably take in like 10 carbs here to cover this low that I know is going to come, that's going to come later because you don't know when it's coming. But if you saw that you were getting low every Frisbee night at 11, then around 1030, you would be comfortable taking some carbs in to try to stop it. Right. Yeah, And that's, that's just, um, that's just one of the ways you'll get, you'll, you'll end up being able to use it when you get it. Um, what time do you go to bed, Elias? I'm not acting like your dad here, but I just want to know. Two o'clock? It varies. Yeah. Um, I try to go to bed early. I'd say average, probably about 1230. That seems to be the time. It's around, my son's in high school, and it's around midnight when I'm usually like, please go to bed. <laughs> please. You know, because I think what, and how does it work for you? Is it, are you so busy with school that by the time you get done what you need to do for school during the day, you still need time to decompress and it's later at night at that point? Or are you just in the middle of like a, a Caligula style? I can't believe I don't live at home anymore. This is fantastic. Um, so I've found I'm really busy. I work in the mailroom during the day. Um, but, and so between class and working in the mailroom takes up most of my daytime hours mm-hmm. and the nights I have Frisbee um, combined with homework will just add up pretty late but it's just a full day right yeah but it's good i look staying busy geez i can't believe you just said you had a job you're like a throwback elias <laughs> i would adopt you <laughs> i'm sure you're not looking for new parents but i'm just saying if you are and i i would i would totally take you what's wrong so look okay so now we've we we've got a you're 18 you're in nicaragua helping people um you know you you adjusted basically to having diabetes in about a year and a half um, when your when your insul- when your insurance company told you you couldn't have an insulin pump, you were just like right on. So, um, wh- are you as <laughs> such an embarrassing question? But why are you such a good person? What did what did your parents have? They scared you? Are you? Are, are you what, what did they do? Tell tell everyone the secret to what your parents did to make you such a delightful young man. 
<laughs> I think you're giving me too much credit, Scott. All right, all right. Well, then tell me what's wrong with you so that this doesn't sound so one-sided. <laughs> a lot of credit to my parents. Um, they've given me everything I need to be successful, and I cannot pay them, cannot thank them enough for that. But um, the transition from diabetes or being more comfortable with diabetes definitely was not as easy as I think I made it out to be. It was definitely some really tough times. Um, I saw a counselor a little bit. Um, definitely helped. Um, was that a counselor or private between you and the counselor, or was it a family counsel? It was private between me and the counselor. Okay. Were you When you say things got tough, if you're comfortable being more specific, tough how? Were you and your parents fighting? Were you ignoring taking insulin? Was there something specific you can... It's not that I was... A, it was, wasn't in a fight with my parents wasn't ignoring taking insulin. It was just hard accepting it, um, that I'm stuck with this forever. I'm always going to be giving insulin shots, checking my blood sugar, always being afraid of getting a low blood sugar. Um, just, it was hard accepting it. Um, and it was definitely a period of time where I kind of felt hopeless that really sucks. And I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. Now I felt hopeless too, man. And I didn't, I don't have diabetes. So when, when Arden was diagnosed, I would definitely tell you that, that it, it, hopeless was a great word. And plus, and, and every time you feel like you have a handle on it, especially in the beginning, and then something changes and then you, you lose the handle, it's just, it's overwhelming in the, in the feeling that, wow, I just, I just battled to get to this spot. And it feels like you climb a mountain and you think you're at the top and you realize you're at a plateau and it's, you're nowhere near the middle even. And you think, wow, I thought I, I thought I won. Yeah. You, you know, like I thought I, exactly. I got this figured out and then it kind of comes and smacks you in the head again. Are you feeling less? What's my question? Um, obviously you, you, you stayed, you tried to say strong mind and strong will through it and you took good steps, you know, going to counseling when you were feeling overwhelmed and everything. Now that you're feeling less overwhelmed, would you say that that is because you understand the diabetes better at this point? Or do you think it's just because you have distance from that, that, that hopeless spot that comes in the beginning? I think there's a couple things. Um, I mentioned earlier, I felt I wasn't, I felt it was going to hold me back. I wasn't going to be able to eat the things that I wanted to, um, which hasn't been the case at all. Um, I'll eat anything, the dining hall, I'll eat slices of pizza, French fries, ice cream, you know, I don't let my diet hold it back. I mean, obviously I'll try to go healthy, but, um, so eating really whatever I want and not being held back by it helped. Um, but I think the main reason is just connecting with more diabetics, especially my age. I had a extremely positive experience uh, being a counselor at a di uh, camp for diabetic children this summer. Um, that was really life changing. It was awesome. So you were there for a couple of weeks, right? Yep, it was a two week overnight camp, um, week four for training and all that fun stuff. And and, and so what a so I can, I can infer a little bit, but I want to, I'm wondering like, what about being at the camp and serving as a counselor was impactful to you? Was it, was it the idea that you may be helping someone else to not feel the hopelessness that you felt initially, or was it just seeing more people who live with diabetes? Like, like was it a combination of the whole thing where it's just a hot girl there? You had to tell, what, what, what exactly was it, Elias, that made you love that camp so much? Because you really, in your email, you, you have such an affinity for the, your experience at the camp. So I'm interested to hear you talk about it. So 
there's definitely a lot of factors that play into it. Um, connecting with the other counselors that have diabetes, and some counselors don't even have diabetes, them too. It was just great experience uh, learning them, becoming friends with them, um, them giving me tips. Um, and the other thing was learning from the campers. These campers were really awesome. Um, seeing how brave you see eight-year-olds give a shot in their stomach like it was nothing. Just, they were so brave, and there's just such a... We call it a magic in the air at camp, mm-hmm. but it's just amazing, and these kids love it so much. These kids, they're the only diabetic in their town, and they come to this camp where it's just all diabetics, and it's just life-changing for them. I had one of my campers in my cabin. I was talking to him, and he looked me in the eyes and said, Elias, I hope they never find a cure for diabetes so I can keep coming back to camp. We were like, dude, we'll let you come back if they can. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, I was, wow. Yeah. It was amazing. That's how big of an impact it's having on him. And so then then that's, then you're outside of the diabetes then when when you're having feelings like that, especially at that age. Oh, yeah. It's really amazing. And then this doesn't apply to me because I was diagnosed so late, but some of these, the counselors have been campers for 11 years, then a CIP, and now they're counselors. And it's just amazing that I had such a positive experience after one year, mm-hmm. and these these counselors have been coming here their whole life, and it's just such an integral part of who they are. It's just an amazing place. I can't speak highly enough. Of it. Such a specific thing I've learned about diabetes and and the people who are you know out in the world trying to make a difference in someone else's life who's living with it, and and it's just. It, it, it for me personally, like I, I always say that I can't, I can't imagine having an experience that I know that by sharing it with someone else might stop them from having a struggle, um, and then giving them a different experience so that maybe they're, maybe they come through it quicker or you know less dinged up or or, or whatever. I can't imagine knowing something that that's that beneficial to somebody and and keeping it to myself. And so you, you, it's so interesting to listen to you talk in this short amount of time in two years, you found people at high school who, you know, gave to you because they had been living with type one longer than you had. And then you got to college and found the college diabetes network where you're finding a very similar thing. And then all of a sudden now you're kind of the person giving it now and you're seeing how, I guess, personally fulfilling that can be, you know, you know, for you, um, it's just, it's a great message and and totally what i've seen in the community and and i you know i'll say here i don't know if i've ever really said it here before but i'll say it at home all the time like you don't know me i'm 44 years old i I was not what you might consider a chicken soup for the soul kind of person um and maybe i'm still not but i can tell you that my experience watching people help other people um it with in and around diabetes has changed my outlook on on this part of life completely. Like there's nothing more beneficial for somebody who's struggling than to meet another person who's struggling. There's nothing more beneficial for a person who's succeeding than to meet another person who's succeeding so that you can find sameness and commonality and feel normal's not even the right world, but it feels centered and settled. And, and, and it gives you the feeling that what you're going through right now is not something that needs to be focused on constantly. It's not a concern and you can move forward and find out what else is going on. And at the same time, 
look back over your shoulder and see that you're helping somebody else. It's such a big deal. And, uh, it, you know, I'm so cool that you found it this early. It, yeah, it's an awesome thing. And then just being able to have the opportunity to serve as a role model to these kids and them seeing someone much older than them going through diabetes too. And I really think that helps them too, which it's awesome. And, and I'll never forget, like I'll, I was low in the cabin one time and all my campers were like, Elias is low. And just seeing, just seeing them care for me, like I care for them. It's just an awesome thing. Yeah. They would probably like, look like the Avengers running around the room. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, what's your go-to when you're low? What do you use? If I have, I really like the, um, what are they called? The Gluco lift tabs. Mm -hmm. um, those taste, I think those taste really good. Yeah. Um, the orange cream ones. Um, some glucose tabs taste like chalk. Try to stay away from those. Yeah, yeah. Juice is always good. But and juice works quick for you? Yep, yep. And it's, if I have my retainers in at night, um, juice is the best. So I don't have to take them out in two tabs. Your retainer. My son's getting his braces off in a couple of months, and I said he's my oldest. And I said to the the orthodontist, I was like, "So, uh, you know, after the the braces come off, what's next?" And he talked about everything. He's like, "Oh, we'll give him a retainer." And my and my son goes, "How long will I have to re wear the retainer?" And the guy's such like a type A. Um, he's the perfect guy to have as an orthodontist because if your teeth aren't perfect, it, it clearly bothers him. Um, <laughs> but but you know, he looked at my son super seriously, and he goes. He goes, you'll wear that retainer for as long as you want your teeth to be straight. And Cole was <laughs> like, um, okay. <laughs> Did someone tell you that too? Keep your retainer in forever? Yeah, well, I only wear it at night. Yeah. Um, but don't get me wrong, I've taken off. But <laughs> My, I mean, We got in the car. Braces are expensive. So I, you, you're trying to get your money back up. We got exactly. in the car and Cole goes, I'm not wearing that retainer forever. <laughs> I said, all right, well, pairing your teeth are going to go back to this. I said, if they get too crooked later in life, I might send you a bill for $5,000, just so you know. Um, <laughs> I, don't want my, I don't want my investment back. Um, any siblings? Uh, yep, the, yeah. I, am, I am the middle child of five. Oh, geez. Is your mom pregnant right now? She's not. Nope. I have <laughs> two two older sisters, a younger brother, and a younger sister. You guys all around the same age? Or you spread out a little bit? Um, my oldest sister's in call is a senior in college, and my youngest brother is a freshman in high school. So oh, you're pretty close. You guys are. Uh, yeah, I'll generally pretty close. Yeah, yeah, and and so no other. I heard you say no other type one diabetes. Or is there any other diabetes or autoimmune issues with your family? Somebody nope. have celiac or. Weak no, immune no system. autoimmune issues, nothing, like, nothing that. like that. Really out of the blue. Okay. Um, well, you just got lucky there. You're, you're one in five chance, huh? You're the, you're yeah. the big lottery winner in the family. There we go. <laughs> How um, did did the diabetes have an impact on on your siblings? Like, do you think they do they like how much? Do they know about it, or is it pretty separate from who you are? And do you think, or do you know, have they spoken about being concerned about getting it? Like, I interviewed a woman, I don't know if you saw, I think D, and she was diagnosed when she was like 59 years old with type 1. But she told me that when she was, that when she was kids, her brother was diagnosed, you know, like, like 48 years before that or something like that. And so I wondered, do, do, do they wonder if it's coming, have they ever gone to trial net, for instance, and gotten their antibodies tested to see if they're, they, they hold the marker or anything like that? 
They haven't. Um, my mom has been very aware, though, and I think it was this past summer, my brother was going to the bathroom a lot, mm-hmm. and my mom started to get concerned, and we brought out our extra meter, and we tested him. I think he was he was like 120, which it's fine, but it's still it seemed a little high for a non-diabetic, so I we tested him in the morning before he ate, and it was fine, but... I would say that I'm clearly not... Let's do it right here, Elias Ready, You listen to the podcast. Uh, nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast is to be considered advice, medical or otherwise. You should always contact your physician if you have any questions about your plan. Having said that, um, my nurse practitioner told me once that a fasting blood sugar under 140 is not a concern. Over 140, and you may have type 1 diabetes. And so, I mean, I think what it teaches you is that we're all kind of unaware that there's certain foods we eat that drive our blood sugar up or situations that our bodies get into where our blood sugars are higher than you would expect them to be. Um, you know, 120 for your brothers, you know, could have been for any number of reasons. So, uh, so it just turns out he had to pee a lot. Yeah. And he's all, he's good now. So yeah, no I, I, listen, I get it too. Like when my, my son was, I don't even think he knows this. But when he was like eight or nine, I, I, you know, he came home from school a couple days in a row and I, I felt like I saw him in the bathroom a little extra. I, I tested his blood sugar while he was sleeping because he was like, he was, he wouldn't have been good with me trying to test it. And his blood sugar was fine. But it, it just creeps into your mind. Like, I can't imagine that your mom um, doesn't think about it, honestly. Um, so have I they, mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just, just catching it early was a, it's a big thing to be on the lookout for. Like, I never went to the hospital. Um, we caught it pretty early. I'm fortunate about. Well, that's interesting because you're older. So you you get to say, hey, there's something weird about my, this isn't how my body usually works and, and I need some help. What was your blood sugar when you've caught it? Do you know? It was in the 800s. Um, I remember my doctor gave me the gave me the option to go to the hospital or not. Like, look, you're almost an adult. Um, go to the hospital. And he said, I think the difference was if I went to the hospital, I could have ate regular meals because the three days I didn't, I did not go to the hospital. And the three days after all I ate was meat and eggs, all protein. Trying to get your blood sugar down slowly. Right. Right. And mm. drinking a ton of water, but yeah, I was in the eight hundreds, but. And so, and so you've never even had the, um, like, is your endo a pediatric endo or are you with a, an adult endocrinologist? Um, it's a pediatric endo. I was going switch to jocelyn in boston uh but i'm at a trial run of i don't know if you've heard of it a phrase the inhalable insulin yeah are you doing a trial run of that yep i'll doing it over christmas break so very shortly so you haven't done it yet nope not yet no, so that's interesting so there's this video online i don't know if i've ever talked about it or not i think the guy's in australia tell me if you've seen it or not and he sits down in front of a camera and is it a Fresa? I thought it was a Frieza, but it's an inhalable insulin. Um, and let's, well, however you pronounce it, he, this guy takes this big can of Coke and he, um, he takes this huff, like a couple of huffs of this inhalable insulin. And then he hammers yeah, down this. I, I have you seen it? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just asking you if you saw this. There's a video online. Um, right, right. Yeah. I haven't seen the video. I just. Okay. Uh, you got cut off for No, it's fine. Seconds. He hammers this giant Coke down, which, by the way, I think in Australia you get bigger sodas when you buy them. He hammers down this Coke, and then he just stands there. He's using one of those um, Libra systems. So he holds, like, this little meter up this thing on his arm, and it's kind of like a CGM that's not continuous. He holds it up. He gives him a reading. 
And man, his blood sugar doesn't move. And he sits in front of that camera for like an hour and a half. And at one point, like unwraps like other food. I think he eats ice cream and all this stuff. And, and I'm telling you, man, his, his blood sugar did not move. Wow. And, you know, and, and it was fascinating to watch. And at the same time, it gave me like, it gives me, I'm going to ask you the question because you're an adult and you're, you're obviously, you're, you're going to try this in a trial. I was asked at Arden's last endo appointment if I wanted to try it. And all I could think was, it just it felt like it wasn't a good idea to inhale insulin or inhale anything if I didn't have to. So, is that was that a thought for you? And what what is what has been told to you so far about it? The biggest thought for me, um, so shots are pretty inconvenient, mm -hmm. um, but I deal with them most of the time. But the time they're most inconvenient, I'll I'll go to functions and events and stuff when I have to dress up really nice sport coat and yeah. all that gear i won't i can't access any parts i give shots to because my shirt's tucked in and so i'll have to go to the bathroom and a lot of times i'll end up just skipping meals so i don't want to go through with it all but being able to like whip out an inhaler and ins insulin and take it right there is just so much easier sounds really attractive yeah i mean it definitely does and it explains now why in the beginning when we were talking you were like oh it's okay if i didn't get my insulin pump because you, you you have high hopes for this then i think Right, and I th one of the only drawbacks is, as of right now, it's only available in 4, 8, or 12 unit doses. So I'd have to adjust, I guess, how I'd eat. Um, but I was talking to, I was at a JDRF walk, a vendor for a freezer or a freezer, however you say it. Yeah, you'll um, figure it out eventually. <laughs> it's a lot of Zs in the middle, I can tell you that much. Uh, she said that it gets in and out of your system faster, so your carb counts off a little more. If you give a little more insulin than what you eat, it's not that big of a deal and shouldn't bring your blood sugar uh, that lower. But Hello. I'm totally interested. Listen, uh, so after you do this this summer, you want to come back on again and tell me about it? I would love to, Scott. Oh, cool, cool. That'd be great. Because it's one of those things that it, it doesn't... I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. Everything you just said about it sounds completely interesting. You know, the idea of not injecting or not having a pump and, and all those things. I just, like I said, the big sticking point for me, and it's based on no medical knowledge. It's just, it's just, I have a hard time thinking that my growing daughter should be inhaling stuff into her lungs. And like, you know, maybe, maybe I'm right. completely wrong, but I'd still love to hear one way or the other about what your experience was with it. So, um, so I, how long will you use it for? Um, I think a couple weeks, and I will go back for a follow-up appointment, and we'll check out my blood sugars, see how it went. And you'll decide if you want to stay on it or not. Right. Oh, that's cool. And um, right now, it's only approved for, um, you have to be 18. Um, so no one else in my practice is on it, so it's kind of like a trial run for the practice of the whole, see how it works. And I think one of the problems is they don't know, it's brand new, they don't know how it affects the lungs. Um, you're gonna but, be you're gonna be their little uh their their little pen cushion. They're gonna figure yeah, it out on you. Dummy, yeah. yeah, yeah, you'll be the test dummy. Crash it into this wall, see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what happened to Elias? Oh, it's a sad story. <laughs> so <laughs> we don't talk about it anymore, really. Now I'm sure listen, I'm sure it's gonna be great. It obviously it, it made it through the FDA and it's on the market and everything. Um and I think it, it fits into how you describe wanting to take insulin in your for your life you, you know so i think it makes sense for you to try it it really does um are they going to put you on a cgm before that um 
not before that. Um, I'll probably talk to them about a CGM at that appointment. See, I would strong arm them for the CGM before the Avriza thing. I'd be like, look, we'd get so much more better data if I had the glucose monitor now. See, you just got to leverage it a little bit against right, the right. yeah, you're, too, you you're too decent of a guy to think of it this way. But this is definitely the way you want to handle it. You just you'll fire a little email. You're like, hey, I was thinking, wouldn't it be great to have all my downloadable data? Like I could, you know, we could get me uh, the Dexcom with the cloud service and you could actually look at it. I wouldn't even have to send it <laughs> to you. They'd be like, that's a great idea. And then you'd have one. You could probably get the trial to pay for it for you. All right, Elias, let's get on that. Let's try to manipulate the trial into getting you a glucose monitor. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> One phone call, you'll be all set. Um, dude, I really appreciate you reaching out and wanting to come on like this. I, um, I'm doing like a whole block of podcasts, and I'm going to take a little break over the holiday to kind of, I, I mean, if I can be perfectly honest with you, like you're the first person I've spoken to on the podcast who's, you know, at college age. And somebody who would find a podcast in the normal course of, you know, the day. It's been a little bit of a, not a struggle, but it's been difficult to find people, you know, who are a little older than you. Like, I am obviously have the heart of a small child, so I listen to a bunch of podcasts, but most people my age don't really. And so I know what, I know this is a good way to get information out into the world and to have these conversations. And at the same time, you know... It, I hear back from a lot of people who are like, well, I listen to your podcast, but I don't listen to any other podcast. So those people are hard to find, you know? Um, so it's, it's really cool that you, that you were listening and that you wanted to come on. And can I ask you how you found it? So I got into podcasts this summer. I actually have a really close friend who does some of his own uh, podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I actually just went onto the podcast app and just searched type one diabetes and yours was the first one that came up. Ooh, good and SEO. I, I, just, I just downloaded a couple episodes, listened to it. I was like, this is great. I'm glad. And and what did you find about it that you like, like, liked right now? Was it just, was it more of the same? Like finding, just finding people who are living the same life as you? That that definitely played into it. Just hearing other people, um, hearing other people's experiences, I just think are really interesting. And um, like the episode I, I did you too. did about hiking Everest. Um, with the uh, lady you had on, that was really interesting. How crazy was that to listen to the to to not the not the person with type one um, who was on Everest during the the avalanche, not to listen to her recount it, but to listen to her mom back home recount what it was like. It, it's a, it's amazing. It, I, I was like, oh, this is nuts. Like, I like this is so great. As soon as I heard that, I was like, I was like, I definitely want to because I reached out to. Um, Svati to, to ask her to do it. And she was like, look, I'm sort of in the middle of all this. I'm writing this big article for, I think I forget the, I, I forget who she published it with about it. She goes, but you should talk to my mom. And man, she was really right. I thought that was really great. Um, it's so cool that you found it like that. And, and right through the podcast app, which is how I imagine it. But at the same time, you know, like I said, like, and, and I'm chiding all you people who are listening in your thirties and forties who are not trying podcasts. Cause you definitely should be trying them. It's uh it, it's such a, you know, forget the diabetes for a second. Well, don't forget that. Continue to download this podcast. That's not what I'm saying. And subscribe. But but there's, you know, you, you don't have to put on a talk show and hope that the guy that comes on and is interviewed is of interest to you in a podcast. Like, you can make sure that what you're going to spend your time with is something that is, you know, focused on, on your interests. So. I, that's why I really like it. I, I love having these conversations and, and, and with you. But what I was what I started out to say to you was, is I don't know when this is going to run. It could be January or February. But uh, but when it does, I will send you a link so that you can uh, 
you can uh you can check it out you did a great yeah. job you were fantastic I mean, man. thank you so much it's 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 it was awesome being on it really oh cool i i'm I, I again really just thrilled that someone your age found it to be perfectly honest because you know i always imagine you know when i'm listening to the podcast that i listen to i'm always imagining that i must be the oldest person listening to this and uh and it's 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 i thought i was just reaching a, a segment of people who were um you know finding this podcast through my blog but the more i hear that the people are like oh i've never i've never read your blog which is slightly crushing but okay and then uh, but still um you know to find out that they found you through the podcast it, it, it feels really cool so I'm, I'm i'm thrilled about it and dude have a um good luck at college and i guess your your break's coming up for for the holidays probably pretty soon you heading home yep, yep. i am yeah two more weeks and i'll be home okay and then you, and then your uh your mom can can uh, keep pretending she's not worried about you <laughs> exactly <laughs> do you like can i ask you like is there a part of you that likes that that she's somewhere thinking about it it definitely is good to have in the back of my mind um at the same time i'm glad she's not not the type of parent that's texting me every day how are your blood sugars sure because that would definitely get annoying but i know she's there for me which is more than i could ask for well i hope that people heard in the beginning because it was such a it was such a momentary thing but what you you said that what she does for you more than anything was she trusted you like you, you said, like she. I know she trusts me to take care of myself. And to me, after listening to you for the last hour, I think maybe the biggest gift your mom's given you in this whole thing is is the knowledge that she believes in you and that that she thinks you can handle it. So absolutely. Yeah. So good. So I think that's probably a great takeaway for people. All right. About here, Elias is where the music will come in. Blah blah blah. You know, <laughs> you'll tell me what a great time you had, and I'll thank you for coming on, and then it'll cut out, and I'll. I'll give my my Twitter address or something like that, and then that'll be it. Awesome, Scott. I, I just really appreciate like what you're doing for the whole diabetic community. Really awesome. Nah, that's way too kind. But I but I appreciate the sentiment. Thanks so much. Have a good day, Alas. Thank you, Scott. You too. Hey, big thank you to the fine people at Insulate for, of course, making the Omnipod and for sponsoring the Juice Box podcast. And I don't want to embarrass Elias, but. Let's just stop for a second and recognize, Elias, you are a really together person, and we all hope to raise a child just like you one day, I think. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You guys can find me on social media at Arden's Day or at Juicebox Podcast, pretty much in all the little social media corners. Please check out my blog, Ardensday.com. You can listen to the Juicebox Podcast online at JuiceboxPodcast.com. Uh, please tell a friend. Really, the podcast is growing quickly, and I think it is because of you. I don't think it's because of me, because I don't understand social media at all, but I do think it's because of you and sharing, so please share, share, share. I'm going to just share something with you real quickly. Uh, the first month of this podcast, I, you know, a lot of you listened, and I didn't imagine any more could listen, but since then, a year later, I got to do some quick math, one, two, three, four, uh, the monthly downloads for the podcast are four times greater than they were in the initial month. And it appears to be growing every month. I want to thank you for sharing the podcast with your friends and for coming back and listening and subscribing and for all the great reviews on iTunes. I just can't thank you guys enough. I love bringing you the podcast and it makes me really happy to see that you're enjoying it. So I will, uh, I'll see you next week.